as we continue on our uh, journey through the significant events of the Old Testament on Sunday mornings, uh, we get to an event that we've been building towards for the last couple of weeks, uh, the Exodus. And we're going to read about it in, in, in Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter uh, 14. Uh, the word Exodus literally in Greek means exit. Uh, that's the sign you'll see above a door uh, indicating the exit. It'll say Exodus. And, and, and that moment in Israelite history uh, was the single most important moment in their history as a nation and in their relationship with, with God. Um, as we mentioned, they, they changed their calendar to begin on the date of, uh, of this leaving, of uh, uh, coming out of slavery and going into the freedom uh, promised land. And um, it was also the Passover that we talked about last week, the celebration of that moment. Uh, and that is an ongoing event and perhaps one of the most important events within uh, the Jewish calendar. The story is so, so well known. I don't know that there's too many people, uh, uh, at least in our uh, context, that have not heard about the Exodus and crossing through the, the, the Red Sea. Uh, the movies like the Ten Commandments have made it very popular. Uh, it even shows up in some unusual places like the mad uh, uh, comic cartoons uh, uh, had a couple uh, times when Moses showed up. And in one, <clears throat> Moses is sitting in a bathtub and, uh, and he has parted the bathwater to the side and he's sitting in the middle uh, with his rubber ducky and his mom's outside saying, I don't know why the boy never comes out clean from his bath. And another cartoon, he's uh, uh, sitting there with a bowl of soup uh, and, and uh, uh, chicken noodle, I think. And, and so he's parted the soup in the bowl to reveal all the noodles because that's the part he wants to eat. And his mom is out there kind of uh, giving him grief because he's, he's playing with his food. Well, it, it is a very well-known story, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of hard to believe and so there have been numerous theories and numerous explanations about what really happened. And so <clears throat> you might have heard the story or maybe a version of it where a professor is explaining to his students that, that this isn't really a miracle. It's a natural phenomenon that occurs in the spring every year. And, um, and so on the eastern shore, the, the Red Sea is kind of shallow, kind of like what we have here in, in the bay. Uh, you can go a long ways when, when, uh, when the tide is just right. And so in the spring, the wind kind of sweeps over the marshes. And since it's kind of shallow, it evaporates the, 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 the water and, and leaves either dry ground or, or very, very shallow water. And, and so the professor uh, concluded that this really wasn't a miracle. It was a natural phenomenon and nothing to get really excited about. And then one of the students kind of exclaimed, wow, that is just so amazing. And the professor looked at him and said, what's, what's so amazing about this? These marshes dry up every spring. There's seldom more than a couple inches of water. And the student said, well, what's so amazing is that the Egyptian army drowned in just a couple of inches of water. Well, that's obviously kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek uh, approach to this. But, um, you know, you wonder, well, what was it like for the Israelites? You know, it, it, we, we might have this idea that they're striding confidently, uh, following their leader who's guiding them. And, and I think the reality was that they were pretty scared. They were stumbling and moving, but slowly 
And yet at the same time, looking over their shoulder, the Egyptian army is coming. And the text tells us that, that Pharaoh had chosen his best soldiers, his best chariots, people that were at the point, at the top of their game. And the only reason they even went to follow Moses was because the army was behind them. There was no way out. And they were forced into that kind of a situation. <clears throat> Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about when God called Moses to be the leader, uh, uh, the liberator of his people. Uh, uh, Moses wasn't really very, very convinced. And, and remember, he had two questions. Number one, who am I? <laughs> who am I to do this? I, I'm not the right guy. But then the second question was, well, who are you? I don't even know your name. And, and are the people going to respond? They don't really know who you are. And both of those factors and both of those concerns kind of come into play as we read this last section of uh, chapter uh, 14. So I'm going to be reading from uh, uh, Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 31. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. So the Egyptian army is still in pursuit, but the cloud and the presence of God is separating the two. Verse 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, most likely in the mud, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Verse 26. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. And so as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back to its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and the charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore when the people of Israel learned the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians. They were filled with awe before him. The, Egyptian, the, uh, the Israelites, they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Finally, they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Now, th there are a lot of things uh, about this story that that kind of 
bring up things in our own mind. Uh, keep in mind that uh, that the Egyptians, much like we talked about last week, ha- were the ones that first thought about drowning uh, Hebrews in the water, and they would have allowed those babies to then wash up on the shores of the Nile River. So in a sense, they are reaping what they had sowed in trying to kill off the and probably being successful in killing uh, a number of, uh, of the Hebrew babies. But, but I want to focus on the part of this story that is dealing with redemption and freedom from bondage. Um, Tim Keller has pointed out there are different ways to understand bondage. There are different levels of bondage. Uh, y- you can be in bondage physically, but then you can be freed from that bondage. But, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you've freed yourself inside your own being in your mind and in your heart. And so you can be free on the outside, but on the inside, you, you can still be in bondage. Um, I, I watched again recently uh, um, The Shawshank Redemption, uh, just a really powerful movie. But, but there's a character in the movie, and we meet him early on in the movie, named Brooks. And he's been in the prison, Shawshank prison, for a long time. And finally, he's given the freedom, and he's allowed to go out. And uh, and so he writes a letter back to his fellow inmates back in the prison. And and I've reduced the letter some, but this is uh, uh, this is part of what he writes. Dear fellas, I can't believe how fast things move on the outside. I saw an automobile once when I was a kid, but now they're everywhere. The world went and got itself in a big hurry. The parole board got me a job bagging groceries at the foodway. It's hard work and I try to keep up, my, but my hands hurt most of the time. I, I don't think the store manager likes me very much. I have trouble sleeping at night. I have bad dreams like I'm falling. I wake up scared. Sometimes it takes me a while to remember where I am. Maybe I should just get a gun and, and, and rob the foodway so they send me home. I don't like it here. I'm tired of being afraid all the time. I've decided not to stay. I doubt they'll kick up any fuss, not for an old crook like me. For, for Brooks, being free on the outside didn't automatically translate to being free on the inside. You know, the Israelites were free from Pharaoh. They had been freed from his grasp. But once they felt threatened and once that fear came over them, they immediately wanted to revert back. Because earlier in the chapter, when they saw the the Pharaoh, uh, the Pharaoh's armies, the Egyptian army coming after them, they said, you know what? It's better back in Egypt. Let's just go back and let's just be slaves. We'd rather go back and be slaves than die here in the wilderness with Moses and and with God. And and so how could God convince them? What could God do to show them that they were truly experiencing a transformation, something that was so large and huge that it would not only affect their outside, but it would affect their inside. And, And the way God chose was to lead them through this water. It's interesting. God could have taken them a shorter route through the Egyptian uh, through the Philistine army camps, but but they would have gotten afraid and turned around. So he leads them to water. 
And the choice of water is quite interesting because God is going to lead them through an experience of creation and of new creation. You think back to the times of Noah. When God wanted to judge the earth, he could have done it any number of different ways, but he chose water. And that kind of harkens back to creation. Remember in Genesis 1, when, when God began his work with the earth, water covered all of the earth, and there was darkness, and there was chaos, and, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and, and, and so then God begins his work. Now, these first couple days of creation, uh, the, uh, the Hebrew, the, the, uh, Moses writes, and, and he doesn't really say that God created anything. He says he separated. So he separated the darkness from the light and made day and night. He, he separated the waters from the dry land and made the dry land appear. So out of this flood of waters, God pushes back the water so that the dry land can appear. And that is the work of creation. And that is the work that God was doing, bringing order to chaos bringing orderliness to a world that was filled with chaos. The water represents chaos, the water represents death, and the appearance of dry land was the beginning of order that God was putting. So that was the creation. So with the flood in Noah's time, what God is actually doing is what some authors refer to as decreation. He was covering up the earth again with water. He was reversing what he had done in creation and covering up once again uh, uh, the, uh, the, the waters, uh, covering up the earth with the water. And, and I think the basic point is if you turn away from God, if you turn away from the creator, you are actually turning away from goodness and you are turning towards chaos. And you are letting the waters of chaos overcome and uh, uh, wipe out all of the good and the evil that is there and chaos reigns. You know, that's kind of what God was doing with the plagues. As the Pharaoh turned away and turned towards himself as the God of Egypt and, and as the one who had the rights of ownership over the Israelite people or the Hebrew people, uh, uh, what came down on Egypt was decreation. It was the creation acting against humankind and acting against uh, uh, what was going on in their lives. The darkness covered. Uh, uh, there was, uh, uh, I mean, Egypt's sin had unleashed all of this chaos in their lives, and, and they were being judged by this act of decreation. So, the reason the Exodus is so important for us, and it was so important for the people of Israel, it is because God was bringing order to their lives. And he led them through a moment of creation where the waters were pushed back and they were walking on dry land as they were being recreated as a new nation, as a new people, as a people that were now God's very own possession. What's amazing is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul makes the argument that that was actually what he refers to as a baptism. When they passed through the waters, they were being baptized and they were leaving their old life of slavery and they were coming to a new life. The Exodus experience is repeated through baptism. Now, now think about the implications of that for you and me. 
Uh, when we are baptized, we are going through the waters. We are leaving our old life of slavery to sin and death, and, and we are entering into a new life with God. And, and like the world before God began his creative work, uh, we're covered over by the waters of judgment, but just as God brought the land, the dry land, to appear in the earth, and then in the uh, after the creation, the, the flood narrative, and, and along with the people of Israel as they were crossing the Red Sea, God brings us up and brings us to dry land and a new life as well. It's all about a trust. Do we trust that God can see us through? You know, God isn't going to save and rescue us every time our back is up against the wall. Uh, there are times when it, the forces of evil are so great, or there's times when uh, uh, it, for our own benefit and, and, and for the purposes of God, we go through difficult moments. But you know, many times he has saved us. I, I, I know some of you uh, have been in situations where you've gotten the most horrific news uh, about your health or a loved one's health. It's in, unoperable, inoperable, untreatable. There's no hope. The cancer is just too strong. But wonder of wonders, your body responded and, and the, the, the body of your loved one responded to the cancer or to the illness or whatever the situation and you overcame. I, I know of some of you who have gone through addictions and, and at one point the addiction just seems so strong you thought there is no way I can overcome this. There is just no hope. And then wonder of wonders, God created a new work in you and you were able to overcome those addictions and you were able to overcome and bring uh, uh, order to the chaos that was your life. And, and now you're able to enjoy the life that God had for you all along. Trust God enough to follow him. And as you follow him, allow him to do his work in you. It's possible you've never had this kind of exodus moment or this new creation moment. You've never experienced baptism as an adult. You're missing out on that opportunity to, for God to, to bring this new life to you. And we would be honored to walk with you through this process. You can call us. You can text us. You can email us. You can put a note in the chat and, and we'll reach out to you. But, but, uh, uh, but, but please, we would be honored to, to help you with this. But, you know, many of us have, have walked through that experience and we're on the other side. And the only thing I would do is to encourage you, don't return to the old life. Don't let those old demons or, or that old slavery to sin, that old slavery to death to overcome. God has promised that even if he leads us through the wilderness, he is going to be with us. And just as he blessed and led the people of Israel. And just as he blessed and led Jesus when he was in the wilderness, God will be with us and lead us as we come out together with him on the other side. I pray God's presence to be with you today, his blessing to be with you today, as we walk with him and as he walks with us through the waters so that we can rise up out of the waters of baptism and rise up out of the chaos to enjoy a new life with him. God bless you today.